The Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast brought to you by our awesome friends from High V and Toyson Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk some Packers training camp. I was just at practice uh, a couple days ago. Uh, I'll get you the latest uh, thoughts and analysis, if you will, from from Packers training camp from myself. But uh, we lead off this podcast talking some Milwaukee Brewers. The trade deadline is tomorrow. We're recording this on July 31st, the deadline being August 1st. And, uh, well, they just got done playing the Braves. Braves doing a little sweeping. Doing a little sweeping this uh, this past week. And going back to Friday's game, it was a 10-7 to loss um, for the Brewers. Then Saturday, 11-5. And then yesterday, you know, Brewers trying to, you know, stay in it, clawing in it, taking a lead and such, but still falling 8-6 to late in that game. Mentioned it uh, a little bit earlier. But uh, nugget from Adam McCulvey. Brewers had to lead five times in this series, and each time they lost that in the bottom of the same inning. So whenever the Brewers would get up and get a lead, Braves came back in that same inning and uh, took it back or tied it up. Man, that offense for the Braves. Ooh, we know we know they're one of baseball's best, but. They are on full display, and right. I mean, last week or so, you know, Atlanta, they, they got the Brewers' number right now. I know the Brewers are, you know, some players and you know Yelich and such are hoping to get another crack at them. You know, when it comes to the postseason, if they get to the postseason, but uh, I don't know. I might want to avoid them. I'm just saying, I might want to avoid them in the postseason, and maybe they get knocked out or something like that by another team. I, I don't know, but nonetheless, Braves having uh, the Brewers' number there. And I don't know how much you can really blame the the offense for this for this past weekend because I mean we went through the scores Brewers you know six runs yesterday uh, five on Saturday seven on Friday it was just you know you look at the pitching and pitching kind of just didn't have the best weekend for for the crew so I don't know how much of a how much of the blame you can really put on the offense? We've been putting the blame on the offense for a lot, a lot of games this year, and rightfully so. But how much do you actually put them on, on the Braves? I really don't. I don't. And, you know, you got the trade deadline coming up tomorrow. After what we've seen from, from the Braves series, does it does it sway you? Does it make you kind of ponder or think, hey, maybe we need to address some other needs now first you know maybe that's maybe maybe we need another left-handed pitcher now now that Wilson's probably going to be out or assuming Aaron Ashby is going to be coming back and they're going to get him ready for the bullpen that can be the option there I still think if I had to rank them I still want the Brewers to go and get another bat to put in this lineup in the middle of the lineup whether that's a guy that 
can also play the outfield or whether that's a DH option. I just want the Brewers to at least, at least add one more bat to put in the middle of this lineup. I still want to see that. I still think that is priority number one for this ball club is they got to find another bat to insert into this lineup. I mean, William Contreras, you know, he's doing his thing. Christian Yelich is having a fantastic season. They they brought in Carlos Santana, who, you know, hit a home run in, in his in this series. But I still feel like they need to add another bat to put in the middle of this lineup. You know, Sal Freelich, he's they've been putting him at that cleanup spot, putting the youngster in there, giving him you know, a lot of confidence so far this year. I mean, it's just 23 at-bats, but 304 average, an OPS of a 916. You throw in Santana in there too, but I still want one more. I still want one more at-bat. And I know there was the rumor that uh, that the Brewers were looking at middle infield relief too, but I mean, how much... I think you got to give more playing time if they don't address that. If they don't address the middle infield like second base, you maybe have to continue to play Andrew Monasterio over there. So far this season, over 100 bats. He's hitting 294, an OPS of a 768. You've been seeing him play a lot more too. But I don't know. I still want one more bat, at least one more bat to put in there. And then I think, yeah, you, you kind of maybe look to add to the bullpen, add another pitcher in there. Wade Miley's going to be back Wednesday, which, you know, fingers crossed. I know he's sounds like he's going to have to deal with this elbow discomfort, the bone spurs uh, throughout the season. So you hope it's not something that's going to, you know, he makes a start, but then he's going to miss a start, makes a start, then you know, or whatever it is. Hopefully it's a it's something that he can battle through and not really affect his game, and we can we can count on him for the rest of the season. If we get into the postseason, count on him in the postseason. You hope it's not something that's just going to linger and affect his pitching. But I think everybody's just going to be kind of holding our breaths and just crossing our fingers and holding on our lucky rabbit's foot that nothing is going to put Wayne Miley back on the injury list, and hopefully that elbow and those bone spurs can, you know not flare up too much where it affects his pitching. And then Brandon Woodruff, he's looked solid in his, in his rehab starts. He's inching closer and closer and closer. Sounds like he's going to be in Nashville now for a rehab start. So hopefully when he comes back, he's the Woodruff that we saw for just two games in April, but he looked like Brandon Woodruff. You assume that he's going to just be the old Brandon Woodruff that we've known for the last few years. So Factoring in the way Corbin is pitching, Freddie has, I know, kind of been a wild card here a little bit. But you're feeling good about those four. And then that fifth spot, you know, maybe it's an Adrian Hauser. Or do you put Adrian Hauser in the bullpen? I don't know. But maybe maybe another, uh, you know, my second need I, I'd probably put in there is more bullpen arms. And probably a left-handed one. Now that Wilson uh, looks like he's going to be uh, maybe on the uh, on the list. God, if you haven't seen that video, it's 
I know it's up on Twitter. I was because I was like, uh, if you if anybody has like Twitter, you can see like the Pro Football Doc. He even was was kind of talking about it. But you know, Craig Council goes out there to make that uh, make that uh, switch, and yeah, Justin Wilson, man. You hope it's not a Tommy John re-injury, but man. Uh, all right. A lot of you still chiming in with uh, on the taxi line saying it's still uh, still looking for a bat. A couple of you. Got Greg saying, uh, I'm, I know I'm being greedy here, but I wouldn't mind two more bats. Doubtful that will happen, but hey, you can always hope. Uh, Travis is saying at least one more bat, and then I would look to add some more depth to the bullpen. They've been solid for the most part of the season, but they've also been taxed a lot, so getting some more arms in there would be beneficial to this pen. Uh, we've got Eric saying, uh, still another bat, possibly another back-end starting rotation pitcher. A couple of these uh, starters for, for the Brewers have the ability to go into the bullpen, so if they want some flexibility, maybe they should look at adding another starting pitcher for the back-end. Uh couple more of you saying it's definitely still a bat, whether it's an outfielder or a DH. And we've been seeing a lot of teams right now making some moves. You know, you've got uh, the Mets. Looks like they're selling off on their high-priced older starter, Scherzer, Texas, Verlander. There's a rumor uh, that's picking up some steam that maybe Dodgers potentially interested uh, in there. There's the buzz that's growing around it as one of the reports is going out there. Uh, you got the Angels that are still making some moves. They added a couple more pieces uh, for, from the Rockies. Rockies, a team that uh, you know, long thought that they would be sellers uh, as well. But you know, the Angels they sent their two of their top thirty prospects to Colorado. I mean, they're really trying to perhaps push this, but also maybe give Otani, you know, the. I guess the confidence or kind of show him that, hey, we, we're serious about trying to win here. You know, stay around with us long term. We're, 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 we're committed to building uh, around you. Right now, the Angels, for, for what it's worth, four games out of a wild card spot. So that's where I was like, I was asking if we have any Cubs fans that, that are listening. You got the Angels who are four games out in the American League, four games out from a wild card. That's that's probably going to be their only way of, of getting in because Texas is their their leader. I, I mean, I guess anything can happen. We still got, what, a couple months of the of the regular season. But, I mean, you, you look at their division that the Angels are in, they're third, and they're, I mean, they're five back from first place. So it's not a huge mountain. But you got the Angels who are making these moves four games out from a wild card spot. Yet, Everybody just assumed that the Cubs were going to be sellers. They're only three and a half back from a wild card spot and four back from the division. So that's why I would I know we've got some Cubs fans, so please let me know. What do you want your team to do? Would you be upset if they didn't make uh, if they didn't sell off their top players for, for prospects and maybe prepare for the next year or two, would you be you know, excited maybe if they all of a sudden became buyers? I, I don't know. 
you're you're one game over 500 but i mean is it all about you know do you just want to see your team get in the postseason or play some good baseball and see what happens maybe acquire some pitching and such what what do you cubs fans want your team to do I, i'm i'm curious i'm, I'm very curious to, to hear from you so hit me up with the text all right 715-830-1912 but you look at the latest standings and how does it affect some potential trades? You know, Baltimore still leading the AL East. Texas leading their division. Minnesota, one game over five they They're leading their division. And now that has actually gotten a little bit closer in the AL Central because the Twins have lost five in a row. Cleveland is now back just a half a game. Half a game from first. From the Twinnies there. That's changed up here in the last week where the Twins, up three, four games, I believe. Wildcard teams. I mean, you've got Tampa Bay as the number one wildcard team. They're fighting with Baltimore for that AL East, uh, first place in the AL East. Houston, they're battling out with Texas in their division. And then Toronto. But Boston, you know, the team, you know, with Justin Turner, that was a name that we kind of threw out there a couple weeks ago. Boston's just two and a half back. I mean, is would would Boston be sellers at this point if they're just two and a half back? Ah, that would be a tough pill to swallow. That that'd be a really tough pill to swallow. And hey, I would love Justin Turner for I I think Justin Turner would be a great fit for the Brewers and would fill such a such a need. He just hit his seventeenth home run. Uh, was it yesterday? I think he'd be a perfect DH option. For, for the crew. But and I know there was a there was a report that there was a couple players that Boston's willing to 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 move on from. But you know, I'm looking at like Boston's schedule here. They got Seattle, but then they got the Blue Jays coming up this weekend and the Blue Jays are the team that's right above them in that wild card spot. And it's at Boston too. Then they got Kansas City. Then they got Detroit. Then they got the Nationals. Then it gets a little bit tougher at the end of August with Yankees and, and Houston and the Dodgers and then Houston again. And they got Tampa Bay and Baltimore. I mean, they got a they got a tough schedule coming up at the end of August to finish off the regular season. So how much do they factor that into their plans on whether they're going to be sellers or not? I don't know. But just two and a half back right now. Yankees three and a half. Seattle's even four and a half. Then you look at the National League, you got Atlanta, most wins in all of Major League Baseball with 67, 67 and 36 right now. They look like they are the cream of the crop in Major League Baseball. You got the Dodgers, who just lost that series to the Reds. Thanks, Dodgers, for the help. And then Cincinnati in, in first place here, too. The Giants, number one wildcard team, they're not going away. Miami has jumped back into it. They're the second wild card team with uh, with the Brewers right now, tied up fifty seven forty nine. And then you've got Philly, who's just a half game back. Arizona's just one. Cubbies three and a half. Then you've got San Diego's five and Mets six and a half back. But you got these teams that are kind of you know still in the hunt. You got teams like like the Angels, who are four games out, being sellers, buying, or excuse me, not sellers. They're buying. Got the Angels that are that are buying, whereas maybe in other years they would be sellers. That takes away a team. That takes away a, a team that could potentially sell off some assets, some players. You got teams that 
Maybe you're surprising people this year that they're contenders like Arizona and Miami. Pickings are kind of slim right now. But maybe one player that, uh, that potentially the Brewers could add, they'll they'll get a glimpse of this this weekend. Candelario from from the Nationals, you know, third base over there. He's been a name that has been talked about maybe the most. One of the the names that has been rumored that he's going to be shipped out and and going to a contender. So far this year, he's hitting three fifty eight, but his OPS is an eight twenty three. He's got sixteen home runs. You know, if the Brewers were to add him, that's a bat that you could put in the middle of your lineup. What do you have to give up for him? Because I'm assuming price is probably pretty high right now, considering he hasn't been traded yet. There might be some bidding going on from other teams. You know, the Red, uh, the the Nationals are probably fielding calls from multiple teams, and right now they're probably asking high because why not? Why not? Why wouldn't you at this point? I would. I mean, you'd be stupid not to. And then once that deadline gets a little bit closer and teams become more desperate, maybe somebody gives you a little bit more or gives you that that high asking price. I mean, the Nationals hold all the cards right now. They could literally go up to a few minutes before the deadline tomorrow if they wanted to. Unless somebody came in with an offer that just, you know, just wows them now. But maybe the Brewers will get a glimpse tonight of Candelario and be like, all right, and especially what if he goes out there, you know, and just has a monster game. Matt Arnold, you may be like, all right, enough's enough. Move from that clubhouse to, to across the, the stadium into our clubhouse. And then you got your middle-of-the-order bat. Or maybe they're looking at outfielders. I know Brewers have been rumored for potential options out there, too. I still think the number one need for this team is adding another bat. Even with you know the pitching issues from this past weekend against the Braves, you didn't have Burns pitching. You didn't have Freddie Peralta pitching. Wade Miley's coming back on Wednesday. Brandon Woodruff's coming back fairly soon. The Brandon Woodruff one is kind of a trade in itself considering he only pitched two games so far this year. But you're getting those reinforcements. Aaron Ashby sounds like he might be coming back. He's going to be a bullpen option. You know you're going to get those guys. To me, the still the number one need is adding at least one more bat in the middle of this lineup. And then number two would probably be another left-handed bullpen option. All right, let's take a quick break, and let's talk a little Packers training camp after these words from our sponsors. With all the running around you've been doing so far to Little League games and quick weekend road trips, are you starting to realize it's time to get a new vehicle? Where do you start, though, since buying a new vehicle is a very big decision in your life? Well, take some of the stress off and make your decision easy by visiting Toys and Ford in Chippewa Falls. Family-owned and operated, you can trust Toys and Ford when it comes to finding that new vehicle for you that fits in your budget but also gets you to where you need to go. Having a proper vehicle to get you to those Little League games and family get-togethers is important, and Toys and Ford knows that. Just visit Toys and Ford today. 
Summertime is a busy and expensive season. Get-togethers, vacations, road trips, cookouts, which also means lots of shopping for supplies. So why not make your shopping easier and cheaper on your pocketbook this summer so that you can enjoy it more? Seems like a no-brainer, right? But where do you go? Hy-Vee! From the best prices in the produce area to the best selection in the meat department in a huge wine and spirits area, Hy-Vee has you covered for this summer. Make Hy-Vee your go-to summer stock-up store and enjoy your summer this year. Let's uh, chat a little green and gold here. So it is Monday morning, which means it's Monday morning at quarterback in where we question maybe some decisions, uh, second guess, you know, some some stuff going on. And, and mine, I'm going to go to Packers camp. And my, my second guessing or, you know, my Monday morning quarterbacking, I'm going to the to the kicking position right now. And it's mostly to the fact that Green Bay has one kicker in camp. One kicker in camp, okay? So, you know, the last few years, and I get last year because with Mason being, you know, injured and recovering from, uh, I should say, recovering from knee surgery, you had a couple kickers in camp. But even when Mason was there and he was kicking, you still had another kicker in camp and such. Green Bay has one kicker in camp, and it's a rookie. And it's a rookie that when you look at his his numbers in college, there's some of them like, it makes you a little nervous. He's a draft pick, Anders Carlson. My question would be, why, why don't you have another kicker in camp? For a little competition, maybe bring in a veteran that helps out the youngster a, a, a little bit too. But to me, why wouldn't you have two kickers in camp right now? Because... One of our, it was one of my questions leading into camp. It's like, okay, how is this kid going to look? Because you looked at, you know, his his collegiate numbers and when he was drafted, you know, some of the consistency, especially, you know, 40 to 49 yard range, it was not the greatest. And while he started off five of six back on uh, Wednesday's practice, Saturday, he was one of six. But the one that he made, a 19 yarder. A 19 yarder. One he missed kicks from forty five, forty seven, forty nine, and you know for his leg, I mean the first two, you know, barely even had any, enough distance to get there. And I know the wind was a little bit in, in front of him here too, but to me, we'll see how he bounces back. I think family night it might be uh, might be something to watch. To see how he does, but I think at some point here, if this continues, if you're Green Bay, you got to be a little bit nervous. You have to be a little bit worried. I know it's just two practices in for for him, you know, with these field goals and such that we have seen from from reporters and such. But I still question the decision to only have one kicker in camp and that one kicker being a rookie. Why not have a veteran come in? You know, you've had veterans. With Mason Crosby for crying out loud, you had you had other kickers with Mason. When we all factored in, you know, Mason's probably going to make the team. Mason's going to be a lock to make the team, but you still had other kickers in there. And I know it was probably to you know save a little bit of his leg, keep him a little bit fresh, you know that sort of thing. I get that, but to me, I, I would still rather have another kicker in camp here and still make this kind of a battle and still. You know, put a little bit of pressure on the rookie. You know, you got you're the only guy in camp. 
you're thinking the job's yours. Yeah, I don't know if this is, but you know, I'm just speculating here. But you got a young kicker in there, and you're thinking, hey, the job's mine. I got no competition. I ain't going up against anybody. I, 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 I want competition. I want some pressure in practice. So if I'm Goody, I would have brought in another kicker. I'd be looking right. You got some veterans out there. Mason's still out there. Robbie Gold is still out there. You know, you bring one of those guys in, you're probably giving them the job. You know, they're probably not going to sign unless they, they've got a job, I'm, I'm assuming. But I think, you know, with family night coming up at the end of this week, this weekend, Saturday, if Anders Carlson, because anybody who's been to family night or if you watch family night, they they do do a kicking session there with front of those fans in Lambeau Field. And I hope Saturday is like windy. I want him kicking in the elements. You know, it's not, I don't want it to be like 10 degrees or anything like that in August. I want a little wind in there because we've heard Mason you know, talk about the wind in there. We've heard even Aaron Rodgers talk about how the wind is different in Lambeau. I want it to be a little windy. And I want to see how he performs. Because I'm assuming you're going to get 55000 60000 maybe for family night on Saturday if the weather's good and they actually have it. You know, I, I want to see how that, that might be a big night for him because if he struggles, if he struggles on family night and then you're getting ready for your first preseason game, you've got to think about bringing in another kicker because I look at it in terms of like, okay, you, you see this offense. It's a, it's a young offense. you got Jordan Love, first-year starter. You've got, you know, two second-year wide receivers, three second-year wide receivers if you're factoring in Samari Torre. You've got... Jaden Reed, a rookie wide receiver. You've got two rookie tight ends. We don't know how this offense is going to go. We don't know how many points this offense is going to be able to score. There might be a lot of times where they get into the red zone or even just get outside that red zone and they can't punch it in. You know, if you've got a veteran quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers, maybe you're going for it more on fourth and two, fourth and three. But now you got Jordan Love maybe especially in the early parts of the season, you might be settling for more field goals. And so you're putting points at a premium here a little bit. And if you don't, if you got a shaky kicker, you don't have a lot of confidence in that kicker, that's going to make it even more difficult. So I know it's, it's, it's one practice after making five of six on this first one, but Saturday, seeing it Saturday, one of six, and the one was a 19-yarder. I'm a little nervous. I was a little nervous heading into it. I'm a little bit more nervous now. I think family night's going to be a telltale sign. If they, if he struggles on family night, you've got to bring in another kicker. You've got to bring in another kicker. That's what. That's my thoughts on it. So, uh, all right. Speaking of Packers camp here, let's uh, chat a little bit more. Like I said, was there Saturday. Uh, Jordan Love's best practice of camp so far this year. Heck, even some of the beat reporters said it might have been his best camp of his young career uh, at that point, too. NFL Network was there on Saturday, so maybe you saw some of the interviews uh, with Love with Stacey Dales and, and such up there. But um, we'll kind of do an update on on camp right now, and uh, including a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about the wide receivers and the defensive line, how they've looked. We've Talked about Devontae Wyatt, you know, in the first couple practices. But what about the rest 
of the defensive line. What about the rest of the defensive line? Maybe some some positive stuff coming from from that group there. So uh, off day yesterday, so we'll be picking it back up here. But I uh, was over there on Saturday, checking it out uh, a little bit. We were just talking about uh, the kicking situation there for Green Bay. But um, Jordan Love had a good day Saturday. He had a really good day Saturday. And uh, some of the reporters there even uh, saying that was his best day at camp. Some, I don't know if it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but said might have even been his best uh, practice uh, th- throughout his young uh, young career. But uh, Jordan Love, uh, he for the for the uh, writers who were able to keep track of everything like that, sixteen of twenty-two across all eleven on eleven drills. Um, so if you're if you're into numbers and all that, it's, it is just practice and such. But he looked good to to me throwing throwing a crisp ball. I mean, he looks comfortable back there. So I I thought he looked solid, and according to to the people that are there every single day and have watched him for more times than what all of us could who get to watch him at practice, they all said he looked that, that was one of his best times ever. So, I mean, I guess it was a good day to go check out a little Jordan Love action on Saturday. But I thought he looked sharp. I thought he looked good out there. And, you know, the one that one position group that we talked about a couple weeks ago when we were kind of doing our position preview series leading up to training camp and and one of them that I, I was interested and curious to see the depth behind the starter and I'm talking about the defensive line here so the depth behind Kenny Clark like Kenny Clark needs help we've been saying that for a long time Kenny Clark needs some darn help and you look at it this year Devontae Wyatt is obviously the first name that's going to come up there as, as the guy that's got to help Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt has had a good couple first days, according to to the people, to to the reports out there. He's had a good couple days, and I he he looked he was in the backfield a couple times from from when I was watching. But I was also when we were doing our position preview series. There's two youngsters, two rookies, that I was really kind of curious to see how they would factor into the rotation. Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. Now Colby Wooden was the he was the key, the kid from Auburn, but he was the one that you know. If you looked at his scouting reports, the draft, it said you know, coach's dream. He's not going to out. Nobody's going to outwork him. And you know, but maybe a little bit more of an edge rusher body because I think he's like two seventy five, two eighty somewhere around there. Carl Brooks, kind of you know, same thing. More some people thought maybe more as a four three D end or something like that. But I thought kind of fell to, to Green Bay. But I was really intrigued with these youngsters. And I thought they looked pretty good. I thought they looked. I know TJ Slayton. Uh, he uh, he stuffed AJ Dillon on a on a run. Got a little vocal on it, and you know flexing and all that. But this is a group that has to make some noise with, with Kenny Clark. You got Kenny Clark. Slayton's like the next TJ Slayton's like the next veteran guy on here, and then it's like Devonte Wyatt. These youngsters are going to be counted on. And I, I I think Colby Wooden is a guy that you can be a little flexible with, kind of maybe get a little creative with. He's he's a little light for for a typical three four defensive lineman, but maybe you can get a little creative with a guy like that. Put his hand in the, in the dirt, line him up on the outside. Maybe he's in a two point stance. 
Maybe he's stand, you know, standing up in that. Or you line him up over the center and utilize his athleticism and maybe his quickness to put that pressure up the middle. I think Colby Wooden is a guy you can do that. Now he's going to, I don't know if he's going to do that this year. I'm sure rookies going to have some growing pains and such, but these youngsters, these defensive linemen, they have to, have to step it up this year and help out Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark needs some help. I'm assuming, especially in the early parts of the season, offensive lines, opposing offenses are going to key in on where 97's at. All right, 97's there, double team him. Make everybody else beat us. And that does mean pressure on like Preston Smith when Rashawn Gary comes back. We saw Lucas Van Ness take some snaps with the first team on, on Saturday. Enoch Barre, you know, that that sort of you know, those other players. Walker, I think, Quay Walker is gonna be a guy that you can get a little creative with. Maybe he can come blitzing up the middle here too. I just want I want this defense to confuse offenses with their blitz packages. I want them to be confusing to the offense. You've got young athletes. You've got some athletes on here who can do a couple different things. You can move them around like chess pieces here a little bit. It's up to Joe Barry. And I know that's for a lot of people don't have a lot of confidence in him. And I'm, I'm kind of one of those, too. Like, we haven't really seen a whole lot of it. We've seen glimpses. I'll be fair. We've seen glimpses here and there, but not on a consistent on a consistent rate. I just want to see this, this defense kind of confuse the offenses, these opposing offenses, and where the, where the blitzes are coming, where the pressure is coming from. But these young defensive linemen, I think, are off to a good start so far in camp, early parts in camp from what I've seen. I'm excited to see them now. That doesn't mean it's automatically going to transition into the regular season. You hope it does. I mean, that's what we're all hoping, right, is that these guys who are performing well in you know, shorts, that it can transition into actual games that matter. I believe today is the day that they're going to actually put on the full-on pads and you know, we're going to start to hear some helmets hitting shoulder pads and all that sort of stuff. So you hear some pops in that, and this is also probably the – the most nerve-wracking for, for coaches and teams is like, okay, nobody gets seriously hurt now. But hopefully this is something that uh, you know these youngsters can build upon and continue to get better and better. And you know I'm expecting a lot from Devontae Wyatt this year. I know it might not be fair for a second-year guy to, to expect a lot, but I'm expecting... We barely saw the guy last year. Now, was that because of him, or was that just because the Packers trying to hold him back and ease him on in? I don't know, but there's really no excuses this year. Like, second year, I don't want to hear about a sophomore slump for him because we didn't really see him a whole lot last year. I'm expecting a lot from him. I want to see this first-round Georgia Bulldog defensive lineman eat. I want to see him be aggressive. I want to see him you know, beating his man one-on-one, getting into the backfield, putting the pressure on the quarterback, stopping the run. Helping out Kenny Clark. And those outside linebackers, they're going to factor into this too. They're going to factor into this too. I think Van Ness is maybe a guy too that, you know, maybe he can line up with his hand in the dirt, standing up, going after the quarterback. It's all got to come together. A lot of inexperience mixed in with, you know, a couple guys that have been around for a while. So it's a good mixture there. But I was was impressed with, uh, with the defensive line. 
with uh, with some of those youngsters coming in there. So, uh, a couple other notes for, with uh, with Packers training camp. Uh, you know, now that we're kind of what almost one weekend because it started uh, last Wednesday and such. So we got a few few practices coming in here, but uh, you know, Jaden Reed. I think you know between him and, and Samari Tori, I think. Maybe we need to, you know, outside the top two, you know, with Watson and, and Dobbs, and I want to get to Dobbs here too. But, um, you know, I think Samari Torrey is going to have a role within this offense. He made a nice play on Saturday with Jordan Love. I think Jaden Reed, we talked about him quite a bit last Friday with him kind of being that utility type of wide receiver. I think those are, are your top four right now. And then... You know, the question is going to be how many wide receivers do they keep? Do they keep five? Do they keep six? You know, on there, you know, you got Watson, you've got Dobbs as, as your clear cut number one and number two, or one A and one B. You know, you got Jaden Reed, second round pick. He's going to be factored into it. I think Samari Torre is going to get more playing opportunities this year, which I thought it was a little surprising last year. Maybe he didn't get as much playing time. Even with the endorsement of Aaron Rodgers early on in minicamp, you're like, okay, he's got the endorsement of 12. You'd think he'd be on the field a little bit more, but I don't know, maybe something else was going on and such. And I know you had Randall Cobb factored in there too. But uh, nonetheless, you know, maybe it's kind of down to, okay, who's going to get fifth and sixth? You know, you got uh, Wicks, you know, another rookie in there and and, and such. But, you know, it might be kind of a, a dogfight, a little battle for the final spot, final two spots. For that wide receiver position, but Romeo Dobbs, he just he, he's like Mister Consistent, I think, so far in in camp. Now we know we've heard the reports earlier, and I kind of chuckled at them. You know, it was like mini camp. Remember, it was like mini camp and OTAs. It's like, oh, Jordan Love and Romeo developing a connection. Watch out for that. And I'm just like, well, they had it last year. They worked a lot together in preseason last year because Christian Watson was hurt. Aaron never played in the games, so it was Love and Dobbs a lot. So they already had that. But they also work out in the summer together, so obviously they've got that connection. But Dobbs, I think, you know, this it just seems to be Mr. Consistent so far. He seems to be Mr. Consistent in camp so far. And I think he is going to be Jordan Love's number one target. So, if I'm an opposing defensive coordinator, I'm probably you know you gotta you gotta respect Christian Watson's speed and his deep play threat. But I think Dobbs number eighty-seven is going to be Jordan Love's primary target, especially in the early parts of this season. So, if that's the case, you know Matt Lafleur, offensive coordinator Adam Stanovich, they have to factor that in. Maybe try to create more plays for him. Make sure he gets he's open up for for Jordan Love and such, and tell Love gain some more confidence in his young tight ends, or those tight ends gain some more confidence and such. But Romeo Dobbs just seems to be Mister Consistent, just making plays, just making plays out there. And I was reading something uh, the other night too, where it's just like he's you know consistently getting open in practice. You don't hear a whole lot about him. He, you know, he probably he isn't making the one-handed, spectacular catches that that uh, 
you know, draws the attention of social media with all those videos out there, right? It's like, see this catch, and that's that's what gets everybody fired up. You know, I really don't see that from from Dobbs. He's not the fat. You know, he doesn't run a four three forty. That's why I just call him Mister. And that's not a that's not a knock on the guy either. But I'm excited to see eighty seven Romeo in his second year. You know, last year he came in. You know, preseason, even after the draft, Romeo Dobbs was a guy that a lot of Packers fans were like, like kind of like their their favorite pick in the draft. It was a mid-round pick, and like, oh, that's a... And here's the thing. A lot of people probably didn't even know who the heck he was, but then you start hearing stuff about him, and then you start watching some of the clips, like, ooh, yeah, he got drafted in the fourth, fifth round? I like that. That's my favorite pick. That's my favorite pick. And I'm not trying to knock anybody or like that. But he was... Early on, instantly, even before preseason started, a lot of people were like, ooh, I like that Romeo Dobbs guy. He he looks like a guy that's that's going to be pretty darn solid. Mid-round pick, great value right there. And he got an opportunity with Christian Watson Hurt. You know, he got an opportunity, opportunity before him on the depth chart and such. Remember Alan Lazard missed some time in minicamp, didn't show up. So you started to hear his name a little bit more and a little bit more, and then obviously with preseason games, Lazard didn't play. Sammy Watkins wasn't playing. Remember Sammy Watkins last year? <laughs> yeah. Um, Randall Cobb wasn't playing. Watson was hurt. So, I mean, your your main wide receiver, and remember it was, uh, oh, who was the other wide receiver that that was there and kind of thought, and he was getting a lot of the, the early reps. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up now. But Aaron, he he had the endorsement from from Aaron too. Ah, goodness gracious, what was it? Juwan Winfrey, that's what it was. Juwan Winfrey, remember Juwan Winfrey? I mean, he was even up on the depth chart too, uh, above him. I remember going to the first practice last year, and Juwan Winfrey was like the first one or second one, and or you know top two, top three, and in, in order of the depth chart and some of the 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 drills that they were doing. But Romeo Dobbs was just making plays, making plays, making plays. Solid plays. Then he got hurt during the regular season there a little bit. But the experience that he got last year and some of the plays that he was able to do, I'm excited to see what kind of career this kid's going to have. I'm excited to see him in year two. I think you're going to see teams focus on him quite a bit more this year. But I think he's also a guy that you can move around. Whether he's going to line up outside, you could probably put him inside too. Play a little slot if you have to. I think he's going to be a good football player. But I'm 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 excited to see him in second in uh, in the second year in this offense too. And I I honestly feel like maybe he might be better with Jordan Love, just because of that connection those two have. He might be better with Jordan Love. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Romeo Dobbs is the leading receiver on this team at the end of the season. I wouldn't be surprised he's got over 1,000 yards receiving. I wouldn't be surprised he's got more receiving yards than Christian Watson. I think he's I think he's going to be the number one guy in terms of stats. Well, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always. And until next time, I will chat with you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast. 
That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, or a question for a question and answer segment. Just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.